Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the terrifyingly long Terrifier 2, directed by Damien Leone, because it's the Gould D. Keith film pick of the week, and he wants us to fucking visit the goddamn clown cafe for some reason. So we'll get back to that a little later on in the show, as always. We are not joined by the Dean, who is off this week. He'll be back next week with a pick. But, of course, we are joined by the bold and beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. Indeed, you know, indeed. Just drop on by the Clown Cafe, your favorite meals on wheels. You know, the menu is it's quite disgusting, and it's full of special deals. Nothing here is good for you, so grab yourself a tray, because food's a little funny at the Clown Cafe. And welcome <laughs> to Fucking Terror. Ah, just a lot of food poisoning happening at the uh, Clown Cafe. <laughs> Questionable things that happen at the Clown Cafe. But we'll be entering the Clown Cafe a little later on in the show, of course, to talk about Terrifier 2. But we are joined by the psychotic simian, the Prince of Moore's Day. Yes, get funky with the monkey. Yes, King! Hey there, Fright fans! Welcome to Talking Terror, the number one radio program in all of the interwebs. Every Wednesday night, we are coming in your ears live with the latest horror news and horror movie reviews. You just be sure to share and love your favorite horror radio program by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram, baby! What is up, my Fright family? Woo! Ooh, put it in my butt. Yeah. Put it in my butthole. Put it in your butthole. Right up my poop chute. <laughs> in the poop chute. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Now, these chocolate <laughs> balls. We could, we could all be like, yes, yes. Why, why, yes. This is, this is very much a fact of why right. I do this, this and this and that. I read books. Do you hear me and I now? I do things that the dean does. Wait, do you hear me now? Is is now good? I'm out in the yard. Can you hear me? Is it better now? Now? No. Wait. How about now? I mean, we could. Or it could be like when he turned fucking gangster and he's like, this motherfucking cunt piece of goddamn shit. I can't fucking hear it. I was like, God damn, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I can't speak for you guys, right? But, like, I know for myself, you know, like, listen, we're, we're very much, as we always tell, you know, our audience, we're, we're very much a very professional podcast. You know, we, we are. Oh, sure. Oh, wait. We truly are. I, I am broadcasting <laughs> via my living room with, you know, with my, my good old phone and a pair of plug-in headphones. You know, I know the dean, though, took this all very seriously. So he's got, like, a computer <laughs> set up 
with like a microphone, with like, you know, all these things and everything. So I think that's why he rages out whenever he has these problems. Because for whatever reason, yes, you know, we'll, we'll have the Dean on air. The Dean will be really far away and you can't really hear him all of a sudden and we don't know why. And like we have no reason why any of that happens at all because it's like the Dean just suddenly disappears. You know, I like I know for me, I walk, like sometimes I'll walk around the house, I'll do this, I'll do that, but like oh, yeah. uh, my signal seems fairly strong. But do I drop every now and again? Yeah, I'm sure. Do I get distortion? Probably. I don't know. If I do, I'm sorry, everybody. But it is what it is. But the Dean, there's no excuse, except for the fact that he's out in California and they don't have any towers out there. So his signal's probably shit. <laughs> the price you pay fucking living in, you know. Well, you know, I mean, they're all about fucking saving the land and being all kinds of cancer-free. And, you know, those towers fuck with your brain waves, And that that's not cool. You only need LSD and mushrooms for that. Mm-hmm. That's so true. <laughs> You know, you think you'd be a lot more relaxed, but no. Yeah, because you bought all that podcasting equipment. I'm like, well, see how that goes? I have a busted-ass fucking cell phone and an over-the-head fucking headphones. That's it. Never had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's <laughs> Sorry, Dean. Yeah, I, can't I know you want to be professional, but... <laughs> yeah. No, I got cans. I don't have earbuds. Yeah, I've, I've got full-on, like... Uh, I mean, I got top of the line. I mean, you're talking, like, straight up. Amazon $30 video game headset, man. Like that, that That's what I'm rolling with. But, yeah, so, like, yes, they, they do go over my ears. I like them greatly. You know, it's not, it's not my – I wish I could use my PlayStation one. That was at least like $150-something of, uh, mm. of what is something that the ghoul bought that is completely unused. <laughs> 150-something dollar PlayStation 5 headset, you know, because guess what? The ghoul doesn't really have any friends that he plays video games with. So he really doesn't have any reason to have the headset to communicate with anybody. Now that the Talk Dean, shit while you're playing. <laughs> you would think so, right? But I'm also very much like a old school, old person who doesn't really like playing video games with people. You know, so just like a kid, how I played everything single player because I had a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo and stuff like that, it was very rare that I played games with other people, you know, when I'd have the occasional friend over, when my mother wasn't Mm -hmm. chasing them off and being like a complete and fucking, you know, utter nightmare. Oh, it wasn't a matter of me being a loser, cool girl, thank you. It was more of like, you know, nobody (laughs) wanted to come to my house. I love love when she comes in and drops her fucking, her dialogue in. Thank you. <laughs> Your mom does say all those kids hang out with you. Says her shit, drops the mic, and walks out. Yeah, pretty much, you know. Grabs your book and her fucking coffee and, like, skedaddles out. You know, she knows better. She'll get the later. Um, you yeah, have friends, uh, loser. See ya. Yeah, right. Fuck you. Damn. Well, yeah, no, my, my mother would get under horror with that kind of stuff. Like, you could ask the dean. They would literally, they would literally fucking fight with each other over who would come to the door to, like, ring the doorbell to get me. Because of, like, they didn't know if they were going to get my mother, who was a fucking nightmare, or if they were going to get my stepdad, who was also not, like, the happiest, friendliest of people. So it's like, you know, they would open the door, and it would be like, what the fuck do you want? 
type of deal, you know, where they would like, you know, if you got my mom, you know, God only knows what she would say to them because it's like, you know, according to my mother, I'm God's greatest gift. And, you know, I'm, I am typically just, un, I am unable to do wrong. And that everything that I ever did wrong was because of my friends, you know, like, so whatever happened, it was always their fucking fault because, you know, you know, me. <laughs> my my, <laughs> my mom was that the same out. way. <laughs> okay. But oh, at least, my mom. okay. Uh, all right. But at <laughs> least did your dad's parental unit wear pants when he answered the door? Because my dad was fucking notorious for opening the door in his fucking tidy whities and a fucking t-shirt. Oh, mine never did. He didn't give two. He gave two. He didn't give no fucking shit. If he just fucking knocked on the door. He happened to walk walk by in his underwear. He he opened the door and be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, no. My stepdad would typically open the door like he would have clothes on, or if, if at the the least PJs, you know, like old style, like button up with like you know the full flowing pants, like your, your your old parents used to wear and that kind of stuff, you know. Um, you know, so so like I, I'll go real raw here, man. <laughs> like so, yeah. My stepdad did did rock the tidy whities, right? But like, the only time I never see him fucking cranking around the house in the tidy whities. Well, when him and like you know, and the old lady would be freebasing. Remember, this is the '80s, okay? And like that kind of shit was running mm-hmm. rampant everywhere. So people were all oh, yeah. kinds of up on the a- the yayo, you know. So like, yeah, they they would, you know, he he was in the car industry. So that was a fucking, you know, cutthroat industry to be in in the 80s. You needed to keep your boost. You needed to keep your shit moving. So pretty much Friday nights were like party night for them. So, like, they would get fucking <laughs> scoot-dooted. And I mean, like, fucking super-zooted. Like, you know, so basically it would be like them locked in their fucking bedroom. Except for, like, every few minutes when, like, you know, my mom would, like, pop her head in, like, my bedroom. Like, skied out. Like, twitching and shit. And she'd be like, you okay? And they'd be like... Well, nothing has changed in the last four minutes since you last asked me that. <laughs> so, yes, I am completely, completely okay, you know. And, like, my stepdad, who, like, I barely ever, like, really spoke to, especially in those younger ages, because I was a fucking, you know, he's this fucking guinea ex-mafia type of guy, and here I am, this fucking, you know, I'm a nerd who likes to read books, play video games, and fucking, you know, like, I like sports, too, and shit like that, but, like, I like <laughs> other things besides, like, anything that he was ever into. So, like, you know, he would, like, pop his head every now and again, and he'd be all twitchy, too, and he'd be, like, licking his gums, and, you okay? <laughs> like, well, you know, consider mom, mom just asked me, like, three minutes ago, yeah, you know what, I'm, I think I'm okay, thanks. You know, the bonus of the evenings like this was that, like, I literally had, like, free reign to do whatever I wanted. I could... Stay up all night watching television, which I fucking easily did, or read books, which I also did all the time. You know, if I wanted, like, how do you think I ended up watching, like, Fritz the Cat? You know, like, I knew my stepdad had it, and here my my nine-year-old ass is extorting it from them. I'm like, listen, I know they're all fucked up, so if I ask them if I can borrow that movie tonight, they're going to let me because they're fucked up, and they don't want me to say anything about it. You know, so, like, you want that? Here you go. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, the worst, though, I remember being at Wallbombs one time, and, uh, like, you know, again, growing up in the 80s, everything was like, don't do drugs, you know, there was a war on fucking oh, drugs, yeah. everywhere, 
you know, signs everywhere. We're in wall bombs. I look up and the fucking thing is like, you know, don't, you know, again, say, just say no. You know, that was the big slogan. But there, on and it was dare. one of those, like, <laughs> yeah, and dare. But there was in school. So, like, just say no was, like, you know, again, everywhere. It was on TV and everything, you know. But there on this just say no placard that was in the wall bombs in Staten Island on Victory Boulevard. Um, or no, Arthur Kill Road, sorry. Um, was this just say no placard. And it had on it one of the, uh, like, a, a free base thing, you know, so like basically it looks like you know, kind of like a crack pipe, what you see Pookie smoking in fucking New Jack City, you know, when, he, when he's fucking having a flag moment, you know, one of the greatest fucking scenes in cinema history, if you ask me, but uh, yeah. so there it is, right, and I'm like, you know, I'd like to say, hey, I was just a kid, and I didn't know any better, you know, but that's not true. I was an asshole, and I knew plenty better, and I like looked up at the sign, looked at my mom, and I was like, Hey, Mom, isn't that like what you and Frank do every weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Talk about, like, what? asking for the beating. I got dragged out of the wall bombs <laughs> by my arm. I got, first, I got hit in the wall bombs because you did that in the 80s. Got dragged out, yep. thrown oh, into the yeah. car, beat in the car a little bit <laughs> before getting driven home, dragged into the house, beat some more. <laughs> And then grounded on top of it. So it was like a fucking, yeah, it was one of the bad ones, man. Like I said, that's just why I remember it to this day. There were those certain times. That was one of them. But that one, again, I can full on say I fucking deserved it because uh, yeah, I know I played the, I didn't know, I didn't know. But it was like, yeah, okay, like I didn't fucking know. Of course I knew. I was fucking completely literate. I know that it was a fucking anti-drug ad. So what the fuck would I be saying that for? Other than to antagonize, you know? Hey, flashback to childhood, everybody. That's what we do here. <laughs> childhood trauma. 80s, about it, 80s were awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a, a lot of things to talk about horror news-wise. I got a whole bunch of stuff, but there's stuff I want to talk about with you guys, too. Uh, before I get into Survivor Series War Games... Uh, oh, you guys have been talking a lot about fucking uh, Godzilla and shit on the group chat. Like, so what's got you guys all fucking horny about Godzilla? Like, is something coming out this week that I don't know about? Yeah. <laughs> the new Godzilla movie, dude. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, you guys are with the raging boners over Godzilla over here. I was like, Jesus Christ, it's in the air. My dick's a kaiju. <laughs> Big ass kaiju cuck. So you guys are you know, you know, the yeah, super fan goal, Have goal. you seen this already? <laughs> what? Are you talking about minus one? Yes. Or uh, No, I no, no. Remember I don't go to theaters. <laughs> oh no well, well, I, <laughs> I do understand that, but I do know that the movie released in Japan a couple weeks ago. So knowing you mm-hmm. being that fucking oh. the captain of the SS, you know, monkey, <laughs> you know. I, 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 I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Time to go to that bay. Uh, Anchor Bay. Possibly looking it up. Possibly looking it up right now. <laughs> oh, I see. So, so yes, okay, yes, indeed. A new, a new Godzilla, 
you know, the king has returned once again to theaters, except this is not one of the American versions. This is not the new uh, Kong versus Godzilla X or Godzilla versus Kong X or whatever. Whatever the fucking new one is <laughs> from that end. Uh, this, this is another Toho movie. Uh, you know, it's not a sequel to Shin Godzilla from a couple of years ago. This is a, from what I've read, because I'm avoiding all spoilers as normal, um, I guess this is kind of taking place between the lines of the original Godzilla movie. So it's kind of like running kind yes. of concurrent with it or just after it, something to that effect. Yes, from what, yeah, from what I kind of took about it, you know, this is supposed to be kind of like a new spin on it where this is Japan, you know, d- directly after the results of World War II and then them using that as a basis now for creating Godzilla. So Oppenheimer, basically? It's kind of like the, oh. the Godzilla Oppenheimer Part 2. <laughs> yeah. It's Oppenzilla coming to theaters. Oppenzilla. <laughs> oh, oh, style. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, 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 but, I, yeah. Like you I, were saying, oh, go, go ahead, go. Week, so. Oh no, I've been, I've been <laughs> yes, all he has. Week leading up, I I enjoy all these movies anyway. But like you know, and I own them all, uh, like all the new ones anyway. Like all the the old Toho ones I have on video, but they were all in a bag downstairs rotting away in videotape, fucking purgatory because my basement is like, uh, it's kind of like an encroachment. Uh, of uh, swamps of sadness. <laughs> that, that's basically what my basement is. There are living oh, organisms down there, there that are, are eating things, <laughs> and I believe that they are eating my stuff at the same no. time. Basically, yeah, if I was to go down there and see some of my old stuff, that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm like, oh, you stupid horse. You know, and I try to pull it out, and it's like only the head comes off. And I'm like, what the fuck? No! Where's his body? Um, That's where all those old He-Man toys are. (laughs) No. No, I'll tell you, man. I I do hurt inside because I did have all of that. Obviously, they don't work shit. But I had all the original run of Episode 1 toys because I remember waiting for, like, the midnight release at Toys R Us and Freehold and, like, getting in and getting all of, like, the original stuff, like all the Obi-Wans, the Qui-Gons. Like, I got everything in box. They came with those special uh, microchips or whatever they were that, like, you like, yeah, yeah. some kind of device that, you put you them had on to... and they fucking say shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't open any of yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, it was the chip, and you sit there, and but the chip was also um, a stand for your figure, and then you put the figure onto this reader, and then it would say lines from the character. Yeah, so, like, I had all of that shit, and, like, that was in, like, a bag, like, safely put away somewhere, and, like, that bag, like, just vanished from my house in Manalapan when I was married. I I don't, I think it might have ended up getting, like, packed up at some point and, like, given to, like, fucking Goodwill or some shit, you know? (laughs) So, I don't know. So, so, somewhere out there, some kid's got some fucking cool toys. It might be in, like, Africa or something, but whatever. (laughs) 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 Along with the the losing Super Bowl (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. Everybody gets a Star Wars toy. And all the bad NBA fucking finals, you know, shirts too. Like, you know, how many times the Utah, how many times the Utah Jazz have won the fucking the NBA title, and you know, the New York Knicks in the nineties. Whoop whoop. <laughs> Must think those like the greatest teams in the world. Man, you just can't Not beat the Chicago so. Cubs. 
<laughs> but yeah, so I've been. Uh, but yeah, you know what though? I did watch some new Godzilla that I haven't seen yet because I've watched you know everything else pretty much a, a ridiculous amount of time. So finally, I got around to watching those animated movies that came out on Netflix a bunch of years ago. And uh, I know Monkey had seen the first one, and you know he was kind of turned off by the very heavy duty anime inspired vibe that comes off of it. It's like. <laughs> It is. It's it's seriously like watching Robotech yeah. or like any of those kind of animes where it's all this like space yeah, shit is. going on yep. and Godzilla is like on Earth and we're in space for however fucking long of the beginning of the movie and you're like, are they ever going to show us Godzilla? Eventually it does happen and then, you know, you have this big fucking reveal at the end and you're like, oh, okay. But like I was telling the monkey in that group chat, these three movies are very much linked together, and you do need to watch all three of them in order to to really see the entire story. And then it kind mm. of becomes a little bit – it's more appreciated that way because they there's a lot of homage to all kinds of anime in there. But at its heart, it still is also very much a Godzilla movie. So, And the ending even goes – it goes across the breadth of everything that you would know with Godzilla. So – yeah, I, I would recommend it for you, Monkey, if you're ever looking for something to watch. Ooh, mm. I just let them gas out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it happens. My poor, my poor dog, he was underneath that one. Um, he's looking at me now with his eyes, and he's like, why, Daddy, why? Because um, I can. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, w- I would recommend that, and I am excited to be going to see Minus One tomorrow. Though I did find out, I was like, oh, you know what? <clears throat> like, I looked at the Freehold Theater. And I was like, oh, bummer, because I saw some of my friends were going to see it on Wednesday. And I just figured, oh, they're just not doing it early around here. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a, like, a, like a nincompoop, I should have looked at the other theaters in the area. Mammoth Mall, I could have seen it today at 5 o'clock. They did a, an early access huh. event for, for people. So, But it is what it is. I'm going to go see it tomorrow, I hope, after work, and that will be that. He's no good to see it. That's what counts. Um, that's very cool. So a lot of Godzilla things to be excited about uh, and switching gears a little bit. Uh, we had Survivor Series War Games uh, this past Saturday. Yes! Uh, men's division, division, a couple matches in between. <laughs> um, we had the return of the Viper himself, Randy Orton, who goddamn nearly killed Jaden McDonough with that fucking RKO off the top of the cage. Holy shit. Fucking highlight of that match. Um, <laughs> And then somebody else came back and ruined it, looking at you, CM Punk. But uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, so, Monkey, what did you think about uh, War Games? How was it for you? I really enjoyed the fucking pay-per-view, man. It's like just because we've had just so many pay-per-views where, you know, the pay-per-view is supposed to be the big fucking thing. It's, you know, the match that doesn't have to listen to the rules of broadcast television so they can bend the rules, break the rules, do the stuff that they want, and, you know, and just push the boundaries further. And I really enjoyed this. Um, of course, we had our down moments. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, and it's just the women's, War game like stole the show for me, uh, you know, and we'll get into it. But it's just I was just so impressed with that match, like that that made the pay per view for me. That that alone was worth watching the pay per view for. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and what about you? What do you think about War Games? I mean, 
So, yes, do I enjoy the pay-per-view? Yes, I did. You know, again, that women's match, which I even came in a little bit late for, um, Mm -hmm. was definitely the highlight of the pay-per-view. You know, the problem with that is when that's the first match of the night, now you're kind of chasing that for the rest of the evening, and it's like, great. You know, nothing is going to, to live up with that. And I feel like that's something that, you kind of run into ever since they started doing main events as the first mm-hmm. and last match. You know, and I know they switch it off. Sometimes they do the guys' match first, the women's match last, and, and you know, that's uh, – <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's bound to happen, and I guess it is what it is in regards to that. But it is – I feel like it's a bummer because I always feel like, you know, being a fan from, again, you know, the 80s and, and the older pay-per-views – Everything about the pay-per-view is a build-up to that end. Everything is supposed to lead up to that main event, and that's supposed to be your big showcase. Now, typically, maybe the match mm-hmm. before, or like two matches before the main event, will be a really big match too. And then you'll have another match, which is kind of like a filler match to kind of like a, a palate cleanser, so to say, to then go into mm-hmm. your main event match. Um, but again, that's you're talking about the old traditional style of them showcasing these these types of live sports entertainment events. We're in 2023, so they do whatever they do, how they do it. It's streaming. What can I say? Um, I I agree with you, man. I, you know, and I, I gave my opinion on how I feel about the war game match itself. Uh, I do like the format. I like the idea of the whole timed release and everybody like coming out the way they do. I like the advantages, the disadvantages. I love the fact that you can't have a pinfall or submission until everybody's in the ring. I just wish that they would change that to like an elimination style once everybody is in the ring. And I do miss the old style war games cage in which there was a Mm -hmm. roof, no way to climb up, you know, like a lot of like, crazy things would happen. Like, if you go back to some of those earlier War Games things, you'd have shit like big old Dusty Rhodes, not known for his fucking aerial ability, grabbing the top of that fucking cage and swinging on it to fucking, like, kick and, like, fling his fucking big old body at people and stuff. Like, that kind of stuff you're just not going to get when you have the open type of cage, in which now it's really just two rings in an open cage match, Um, which Escape is, you know silly because you know, obviously you get disqualified if you do that. So like I don't see why they don't just put a top on it and like give us a, a, another dimension to, to add to the match but again I have fun and especially because guess what every time I watch these pay-per-views I'm watching them with my brothers here so I'm good with it. <laughs> what about you yeah. King? I mean I, I enjoyed it overall. I mean I the thing like I just talked about like I had a problem with the booking. Um, after I watched it, I had a chance to think about it. I was like, you know, the booking was kind of off. Obviously, the women's War Games match was the fucking highlight. I would have put that as the main event, and I would have had the men's War Games kick off the show. Uh, That's the first thing I would have done, because not only – if you're going to have Randy Orton come back for that, that's what you have to do. You have to have it be the first one. That way, at the end of the show, then you could fucking play Sam Punk's music, and then all of a sudden people are going to freak out. Or – you save Randy Orton for Royal Rumble and have him be number 30. You hear his fucking music. He's back. People are going to fucking be launched into the stratosphere with that type yep. of return. That way, 
you could have CM Punk in Chicago with Survivor Series, and, and everybody's happy he's back, and like, oh, my God, you know, CM Punk, he's back. That way you don't overshadow the fact that Randy Orton just came back after a year and a half of being out. And, and he, that, and that was what, the yeah. – yeah. To add to what you're saying there, sorry, I'll let you continue in a second, yeah, but to add absolutely. to what you're saying, you could have had Rand, uh, you could have CM Punk be the mystery partner. You know, we yeah, don't know 100%. who they're going to get. We're in Chicago. We don't know who they're – we know Seth Rollins and CM Punk, they're looking to build this entire thing into a big rivalry in the storyline. So you know what? When that music hits and CM Punk is the surprise teammate, now you even add the extra danger of like, well, how is Seth Rollins going to react? He don't like CM Punk. CM Punk is there to aid them, but is he going to fuck with them? Is he going to do something wrong, you know? Like they could have went so many better ways rather than – Again, I was so thrilled at the idea that Randy Orton was going to be back in the ring because, honestly, yeah. you guys, yep. we've spoken about it so many times. Yeah. I feel like yeah. he is easily the best fucking talent they've had of a generation. And, you know, like, so him coming back after thinking that there was a possibility we would never see him wrestle again, I was like, fucking A, amazing. And then, yeah, to fucking blow it by fucking, you know, let's let's just bring in CM Punk to fucking smile and wave, boys. Like, fuck you. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your thing. <laughs> it's just, ahead, you know, I mean, that, that's like... That's exactly how I would have booked it, you know, just to have that, like, you know, the goal to be surprised. Um, you know, I do love the fact that Seth Rollins is staying in kayfabe because um, I had that video I shared on the group chat of him giving a middle finger saying, fuck you, fuck you, over and over again to CM Punk. And then they show Randy Orton grabbing a chair and sitting down and just fucking waving up at CM Punk as CM Punk walks around and, and you know, kind of says hi to people. So it, it's good in that sense, but it's just it's ruined because we've been waiting for fucking Randy Orton to come back for a year and a half. We've been dying for him to come back because I think he needs to be a champion one more time before he hangs it up. And then you have it overshadowed by a fucking dick. I mean, I'm sorry. I used to be a CM Punk fan, but he rubbed me the wrong way yes, when he was WWE. I was a huge CM Punk fan because I loved him. And then he fucking rubbed me the wrong way by shitting all over the WWE and saying it's not for him. You know, he's just going to take his ball and go home type of scenario. And then he goes to ADW, and then he fucks up there and starts fights in the locker room to where Daniel Bryan has to be the head of the committee to fire his ass. And then he's like, well, where am I going to go now? And then Triple H is like, well, come back to WWE. So, you know, these fans that are marking out for CM Punk, I'm like, I don't think they would have done that a year ago. I don't think they would have been as explosive as they were on, on Saturday night. Just because they fucking were dropping hints like they were fucking out of control that CM Punk was coming back. Like, they kept putting up four stars everywhere because that's part of the Chicago flag, and that's what CM Punk has on his, his trunks. You know, they were dropping CM Punk lines and Raw and SmackDown. It's like, you can't be any more fucking obvious that he's going to come back, and now you're in Chicago for Survivor Series? Like, you know, fine. But save Orton for the Rumble. But, you know, they, they went the way that they did. I can't fault them in that. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah we can fault them for it, though, because, again, it should have been split up or separated or if you wanted to even have them in the same pay-per-view. But you don't take away from Orton's moments, you know, because like no, Nicole nope. said, we, did, we, we didn't even know if he was going to be coming back at all. It's like everything no. that he went through, you know, like we weren't sure if he was going to even be able to function, you know, just as a human, let alone, you know, one of – one of the you know the best wrestlers that we've had in a long time, and then for him to have his return and WWE pull this, I just took it as just plain disrespectful to Orton, 
for them mm-hmm. to like he's there having his moment and then you bring in CM Punk and like shave the buzz we're off and the energy we're all feeling off of you know Orton back Orton triumphant and all that kind of stuff and then just to do this where it's like it was just a disrespectful as fuck and like just a just big ass kick in the balls like I was so pissed that they did that to Orton mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he had a great promo on Monday Night Raw where he was talking with uh, Rhea Ripley, and she said exactly that. She's like, you know, Randy, you've been gone for a year and a half. A lot has changed, but you come back, and you're overshadowed by somebody else, and that's got to hurt. And he's like, no, I'm all right. He's like, because I hear they call you mommy. He's like, well, guess what? Daddy's back. And I was like, shit, that's how you cut a fucking promo. Like, that's uh, you build on the fact that he got overshadowed. Uh, you know, and he calls himself daddy. I got a little hard. I can't, you know, argue because Randy, Randy was there. I was like, whoa, okay. I was like, Randy Orton, get a little spicy. Um, you know, and it was just, it was a fun way to do that. But there is a couple of videos that I've seen on the internet, like a TikTok, where people that watched the pay-per-view didn't realize that CM Punk was coming back. So they either shut their TV off when they saw the little Survivor Series caption showing the year, or they just walked out of the room because they were upset the Judgment Day loss. And then all of a sudden CM Punk's music hit. They're like, wait. You're missing? Oh, he's gone. He left the room because he's upset. Uh, I know what what video you're talking about. That was fake, You saw that one, right? Yeah, Yeah, that that was was totally fake. I was like, oh, I Too bought it. I was like, dude, just fucking it. They put, they put these reaction <laughs> videos up, man, and it's such clear bullshit. You know, it's like, come on. Oh, yeah, it's the heavy, it's the heavy set kid sitting there yelling about, oh, oh, here's when he's gonna come out. Here's when he's gonna come out, and yeah. then he storms mm-hmm. off because CM Punk doesn't come out, and then the wife is like, oh, honey, come, come out, come out. And he's like, no, and that's it. It cuts right there. It's like, yeah. Please. It still cracks me up. Yeah, it still cracks me up. I watched like three times. It's fun. Yeah, but you're right. It's probably days. But anyway, um, so that was the last uh, uh, premium live event. They're not even calling them pay-per-views anymore. They're calling them PLEs, premium live events now because they're on PLEs. You don't have to pay-per-view anymore. You know, that's right. AEW so has pay-per-views. You have to pay it, pay mm-hmm. for it just to watch it. We're paying for the streaming service, and we're, we're getting it, you know. And this is where a lot of this laziness is coming into play. And I'll, I'll be honest, I really yeah. think I am feeling that with their stories. And, you know, I know you say you feel bad for Randy and everything, and I, I do get that. They took his moment away. But you know who I also do feel some sympathy for here? Because, yes, of course, obviously, you know, again, I want Randy Orton to not get get that title one more time. I want him to get that title three more times because I think there's only one person in the WWE who deserves to beat Ric Flair's record, and that is Randy Orton, who was, if we remember, part of Evolution, Mm -hmm. which was what Triple H and Ric Flair agreed upon was the future of the WWE. Now, Batista obviously went on to, to make bad movies, and Randy Orton used to be a fucking workhorse through that company yep. for years. A stud. You can put him in the shittiest situations, and that man fucking makes everything immediately better. But, you know who I feel bad for is Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes oh, makes 100%, 100%. big fucking debut into the WWE with all kinds of fanfare. You know, you're immediately putting him into the fucking championship caliber matches. I know he got mm-hmm. injured, but, like, he gets injured, and because of that injury, he has to, you know, lose time. But then to come back and, like, literally not even be in the fucking game. 
like you're not like you're 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 in team up situations. You're not even like really going for anything. You're, and, and that that I do feel bad. I feel like it's going to be a matter of time before he's back with AEW wearing that gold again. <laughs> it could happen. I mean, I I do honestly. It's true. I didn't think about it when we were talking about Randy Orton. We were talking about Orton, but it's true. You know, Cody Rhodes. The American Nightmare coming from AEW back to WWE after basically creating AEW with Tony Khan. Um, you know, they put him in the, the title picture, then they're like, ah, you know, he got injured. So we'll give him the uh, we'll give him the undisputed tag team titles with Jey Uso. That'll be fun for like a week. And then we'll just give it to the uh, Judgment Day. <laughs> you know, so that should have lasted longer than it did. And of course it didn't. But then again, when you think about it also, somebody else that we should probably feel a little bit bad for is Jade Cargill which was the other acquisition by Triple H for WWE coming off of AEW, uh, they officially have no plans for her as of right now. Uh, and they're just kind of looking at the drawing board and going, well, what do we do? I was like, well, be honest. You fucking took her away from Tony Khan and AEW because you wanted another fucking W. You wanted to take somebody big in their organization and take them for your own. But now you're like, well, what the fuck we do with her? Oh, God. Oh, God, we fucked up. Oh, no, no it's fine. Just put her in a tag team with Bianca Belair and have them be tag team champions. Yeah, that's what oh, people want why? anyway. Why? Why? Be... Why? I'm not gonna say. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it. But why? <laughs> what? It's about that? Uh, and it, yeah, it has nothing to do with that. It's because they're the same character. They're literally well, the same I character. Except... Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how. That's... I wonder how much of that is blowback from Bianca mm-hmm. Belair saying like, "What the hell? You know, you want to push me as the EST, <laughs> yeah. yet you're bringing mm-hmm. in this woman who." Maybe isn't the EST, but she's more cut and more physically defined oh, yeah. than fucking than, than Bianca is, and you know, and looks I've way better. Couple, <laughs> I've caught a couple of her matches, and you know, mm-hmm. we always say that like Bianca Belair has certain things about her that are physically impressive. But Monkey, you're quoted often as saying she seems like she's green. She still seems like mm-hmm. she should have like some of the things that you say are things that she shouldn't have happen in matches anymore at this point of right. her career. Whereas Jade seems completely refined and fully capable of fucking carrying her load every time. 100%. She's had some impressive fucking matches. So, yeah, see, yeah, I haven't seen her at all yet. Because, because, again, like the King said, they haven't even dropped her in a single match, right, King? Nope. Nope, they've had her come out on NXT. They've had her come out on SmackDown and Raw. They sit yeah. her on the throne, and she kind of puts her arms up to show how fucking strong she is. And they're like, all right, everybody, Jay Cargill. And then she goes away. <laughs> she doesn't confront anybody. She only confronted Becky Lynch once. And that was when Becky Lynch was the NXT champion. And she's like, maybe I'll be next in line for that belt. And Becky's like, maybe you will be. And then Becky lost it that same night. So it doesn't even fucking matter. She lost it to Lyra Valkyria um, on night one of Halloween Havoc. Maybe the idea is to bring her into the Rumble, have her dominate the Rumble, and then get a title, you know. I know they want to push, like, these NXT titles as if these people – like, I'm sorry. I can't see NXT as anything other than training ground. I still cannot yep. see it as anything other than so a lower-tier WWE product. And I know they're good. I know when you watch it, you're like, wow, the storylines are good, the promos are good, the, the matches are great. They're like old-school WWE matches. But mm-hmm. the characters feel so raw, they never really feel like finished characters. 
And that, I think, is where it, I feel like NXT ends up lacking. It feels like fun yeah, league for WWE. Yeah, yeah I, I find myself more attracted to NXT more and more I watch it than I am with the main brands of Raw and SmackDown. I get kind of tired with the same old stories on Raw and SmackDown. And then I'll go over to fucking NXT. And yeah, I mean, it is like the farm league, obviously, but you got fucking Tony D'Angelo and his partner Stax, you know, the fucking Sopranos of the fucking NXT cutting these fucking promos where they're in fucking jail and they're cutting fucking deals with people. It's like, you know, like you said, Ghoul, it reminds me of the old fucking WWE days, like the Raw days and, and stuff like that before they went into this modern era. Then you have like this, these sexy girls that just put on fucking booty shorts and slap each other around. It's like, oh, okay, now we're in the Eric Bischoff era you know, of, of Raw. This is nice. <laughs> I don't like this. But, yeah, I, do, I do like some of the chickies out of, out of NXT. That is for sure. Oh, yeah, and, and Gigi Dolan being one of my favorites for many, many reasons, not just she's the fact got that she's got an ass, she can bounce a quarter. She's got a great <laughs> ass. I'll give her that, man. Yep, yeah, so absolutely. But um, So, yeah, that, I mean, we'll stay tuned for the next one. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the Royal Rumble. I know that's the monkey's favorite one. Uh, Mania has always been mine, but, you know, I'll have to stay tuned and see who the surprises are for that. But uh, since we are a horror show and we have a movie to talk about soon, not just yet. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple things that I pulled up with you guys. Uh, we'll see how many of these the uh, Dean pulls up next week. We'll see how many of these trips next week. So one thing that kind of came out today um, I want to talk about is another boy spinoff. So it's season four on the way in college that spinoff Gen V recently wrapped. The ultraviolet world of the boys is about to become even bigger. Because Deadline reports what? today that a new spinoff series called The Boys Mexico is in the works. The latest offshoot will hail from Blue Beetle scribe Gareth Dunnett Alcor with Diego Luna of Andor and Flatliners fame and Gail Garcia Bernal of Werewolf by Night and Coco set to executive produced. No plot details have been announced just yet, and Luna and Bernal are considering appearing in The Boys Mexico in smaller roles. In other words, don't expect them to expect uh, the star in the series. But they did confirm that the boys, Mexico, will, in fact, take place in Mexico. So another we're boys going, in, in, going into in Walking Mexico? Dead territory. You're having spinoffs. <laughs> More spinoffs. So, hey, wow. they're going to Mexico. You boys ever been to Mexico? You boys like Mexico? Never been to Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> so they are, in fact, going to Mexico for the new one, the boys. Mexico. News just broke today, so it's, it's brand new. But, hey, do you yeah, want to hear about a Scream 7 update? Yeah, so we'll get to that after this. What are you talking about, Cole? I, no, I'm still <laughs> on this boys Mexico thing. And, you know, after watching Gen V, uh, like I, I enjoyed Gen V. I know, I know you guys didn't didn't love it as much. Uh, I like the I like did. Boys, so I, I, I'm kind <laughs> of. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you guys were lukewarm on it. We um, we, just, we, we have we have not officially covered it on the show yet. We're waiting for the gotcha, team gotcha, to gotcha. finish the series so that we can actually talk about it. <laughs> so okay. we've all been well, kind he's of. Not on so no. uh, he's not here. <laughs> He's off in fucking Yosemite or whatever fucking, you know, valley that he's in right now with a fucking campfire and a bunch of students and all that shit, man. Tell him werewolf tales. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, though, so, yeah, I saw that the news had broke on this. I love the world of the boys. So I feel like if we can get a broader scope 
of how the rest of the world is. Like, you know, when we look at the world we live in today, right, because we know that the boys is basically like saying, hey, this is what our world would be like if superheroes existed. Now, when you think about, like, South America and Mexico and all this cartel shit and all the things that are going on down there, right, now throw superheroes into the mix, it can get kind of, kind of messy, you know, because maybe, again, like, we see how our heroes aye, aye, aye. In, in the boys are a brand, mm. and they're not necessarily heroes. Basically, I'm sure, in Mexico, we're going to have nothing but fucking villains, you know, and I, I, I'm hoping <laughs> they're not typecasting Diego Luna as being a, you know, an <laughs> anti-hero. Like, I don't want him to be the mm-hmm. fucking... I don't want him to be our... Uh, our fucking what's the case, man? Like I'm to our butcher, exactly. Because this is the character that he plays in Star Wars and you know, like I feel like if they're gonna start typecasting him as this, then that guy just sucks. Uh I feel bad for him, you know. I'm surprised they're not bringing what's his name in from fucking uh Pedro from Pascal. Last of Us in <laughs> Yes, Pedro Pat Psyche. See there we go. See you me and my Pedro is so Pedro is so busy, he can't even properly do the next season of Mandalorian, man. He he has so much stuff going on, he's going to be doing a, mostly voice work, and his shit's going to be mostly stunt work uh, doubles. He can't even yeah. fulfill uh, the Mandalorian. How much of the, Well, I always wondered how much of the Mandalorian was he anyway, like, in the suit. Yeah. You know, like, for, most of the action the shit. Voiceover. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, I thought it was just his voice and it's a fucking stunt double for the most part, you know? Because, I don't know, he's kind of like short and doughy looking, you know what I mean? And I know that there's all armor and all that stuff on there, but, like, I don't know. Like, I don't look at the Mandalorian and think, oh, hey, he's like a short and doughy Hispanic looking fella. I think of him as a fucking, you know, a somewhat well adjusted yeah. fucking, you know, well, I know he's not a clone, so I was going to say he's a Samoan dude, but he's not. He's not one of the Samoans. My bad. It's The Rock? So I guess... <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, finally, The Rock has come back to Star Wars. <laughs> oh, we brought someone in for new for the blue, for the bloodline, Pedro Pascal. <gasps> oh, God. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make movies. (laughs) (laughs) You guys want to get high? I heard that they're talking about casting him. If Jonathan Majors doesn't work out, they're going to cast him as the new Kang and let him just I heard that too, yeah. He could play every role in every MCU movie for the rest of the MCU. <laughs> the, the Pedro I mean, that was just a bad, that was just a bad <laughs> joke that Scott Burke had to run along. Nope, not going there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I really was bummed out the fact that Jonathan Majors might not be coming back to play Ken because – it's so fucking good in, in Ant-Man, Quantumania. I was like, you know what, guy? He's like, eh. you know, I know he got in trouble, but, I mean, you know, was he going to jail again? If he beat the shit out of that woman like she's saying in a fucking cab, then, I mean, Disney cannot associate with this person. I understand that. No, no. Regardless, of, yeah. regardless of what the character is, you still exactly, have to dissociate yeah. from the actor at that point. Real life and fiction are two different things. Now, as far as... If it had been a DC goes, movie, they would have been like, oh, it's perfectly fine. 
<laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> we got those in nowhere. I don't want to pay him more. <laughs> he's, he's just method acting. Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, this is the situation, because I've been following it. I like Jonathan Majors a lot, not just in, in the MCU, you know, like I, even like the Creed Three movie. I think he was the best part mm-hmm. of it, though, underused. Um which is weird, being that he's the fucking villain. They just didn't do it right. Uh, but, you know, like, there's, there's something about him as an actor that makes, like, for me anyway, there's something about his acting style that makes him feel, like, uneasy. You feel oh, yeah. like there's something slightly off with him as a person, and that works with the characters that he tends to play. Now... Whether or not that is true, and maybe he does have these issues and that did happen, like I said, if that's the case, then, hey, listen, I I would not fault Marvel for doing what they have to do. Um, No. I would like like for them to wait, and I mean, I guess, unfortunately, they can if they've got to do filming and shit, but uh, I would like them to at least wait at least at some point to find out if there is any validity to this, because there are some doubts because of the woman's story and some of the things that have been said and countered, yeah. um, you know, which does suck. But, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's messy. It really is. And uh, But, yeah, I, I hope we don't lose our tag. And I certainly, if we do, I hope it's not Pedro Pascal. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I thought he was funny. And you're right. Like, there's a, a certain affectation to the way Jonathan Majors talk, especially when he played Kang. You just, you never knew if you're going to fucking trust him. Because he would be talking just about nothing in particular. And you'd be like, I don't know if he's going to stab me to death or not. <laughs> he's like, well, that's interesting. Is that happening? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's going to end my life right now. He's talking about like his favorite flavor of ice cream, but he keeps looking at me like that. I don't know. He's like, have you ever had your last bowl of ice cream? No, I haven't had my last bowl of ice cream. I've been living a long time. <laughs> oh, well, well that's, I hope that's you enjoy the like taste. The whole, whole reason why I thought it was so brilliant to cast him in the role of, 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 of I forget the, the character's name in Creed Three. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but uh, shit, it was uh, Dame, Damien, uh, or something like yes. that. It was Dame. They called him Dame um, because he's an ex-con. That's coming out, you know, after spending, you know, 18 or so years in. And, like, even before he was cast in that way, I always felt like, you know, because, like, I, I've had family members that spent long stints in, you know, two of my uncles and my cousin um, all did, like, ten, they did dimes, you know what I mean? So they were in for long periods of time, um, not, like, any short, like, couple months, couple years. They, they were in for a really long period. And, you know, that kind of time... It affects you, you know, and it affects not only yeah. you from, like, a physical, but it affects you mentally and how you actually interact with people, you know. And, and the way he seems to come off really reminded me of that, like, especially, like, my Uncle John, where it was almost like, you know, my Uncle John was a very engaging person who, you know, could, could charm the pants off of anybody. But at the same time, too, he always kind of felt like he would be keeping – certain things at an arm's length because you had to when you were in there. You know, you couldn't trust anybody. You had to watch your back at all times. And, like, it left, yep. like, a, it left like a, 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 an unease about him 
that like I always sensed, you know, after he had come out when I was like a teenager, you know, when I've got that same vibe off of teenagers, I looked it up just to see, like it was either like I figured he either did some major jail time or like maybe he was in the military and saw some mm. shit, and it's a little bit of like a PTSD thing, neither of which come up in any of his history. So I guess he's just like mm. that. But, like, that's why I thought it was brilliant to cast him as that role in Creed 3. I'm like, wow, he's got all of that going on, and, like, yeah, I could feel it. But, like I said, ultimately I just don't think they went the right way with that. Yeah, no, but he's interesting nonetheless. And, you know, you definitely hope that, uh, you know, everything works out in his favor and, and you know, but – We'll see. Time will tell. Let's hope the motherfucker's um, innocent. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, because I, I like I would like him to get back to work because I think he's a great actor. Um, but uh, okay, so I said earlier there is a scream update from Variety of all places. Uh, according to Variety, it seems that some fans like the planned sequel is collapsing in real time. However, even before Barrera was fired, plans for the next scream were being retooled. Ortega's exit had required the creative team to make some alterations, according to individuals with knowledge of the film. But there were still hopes that the actress might be convinced to come back for some sort of cameo. That no longer seems to be in the cards. Another source familiar with the franchise disputed this, saying Ortega was never in the mix for the new film. James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, the writers of the previous two screen installments, are now working on a fresh draft to present the filmmakers. Some set pieces and twists may be preserved, but the movie will need to find new uh, protagonists. And it's also being reported that Patrick Dempsey and Nev Campbell are being sought after for Scream 7 to reprise their roles oh, so as Sidney Prescott wow. and uh, Dempsey from Part 3 as uh, Detective Kincaid. <laughs> yeah. So, surprising, yeah. Especially after Thanksgiving, all of a sudden they're like, hey, let's get Dempsey. He was in 3. <laughs> you know, well, well, I mean, I'm Dempsey good. has been highly popular over the last few years. He just got named, like, oh, yeah. the sexiest, sexiest, sexiest man, man of the year. You know? You know? Yeah. So, it's it's not like... They, them getting him, he's been constantly working, you know, and it's funny. I just mm-hmm. find it, like, I was watching an interview with him recently in which he was like, yeah, I never understood, like, you know, how it is that I could be, like, the sexiest man alive type of deal. And I get the whole, like, hey, I don't want to come off like an asshole, but the dude's been a good-looking guy, like, the entirety of his career. I'm sorry, my introduction to fucking Patrick Dempsey was Loverboy, where, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, he plays a fucking, like, a dork, but, like, throughout the course of the movie, he's busy wooing and having sex with all kinds of fucking hot women, you know, so... So it's not like this this character or actor. Yeah, exactly, another one in which you know you're fucking you know you're you're a dorky guy, but you're getting Amanda Peterson by the end of the movie. You know who was extremely uh, a very attractive girl. Um, I'm like that was like the repeating pattern of this fucking guy's career. So how it is like he's like oh surprise I never knew I was hot. Like really, dude? Like come on, man. Like cut the bullshit, bro. Cut the shit. You look down at that eight-pack of yours every time you piss. You know you're cut. He's always been a good-looking fucking guy. I mean, you know, so I wasn't surprised. You know, he's got the Ferrari movie coming out, and I love the fact that they're bringing up uh, Ferrari, not Thanksgiving. So they're like, oh, Patrick Dempsey, Texas Man of the Year, got Ferrari coming out in December. It's like, yeah, we've got Thanksgiving. Oh, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to bring that up. We're going to talk about Ferrari. You know, it's, you know. Science of the Lambs is not what a horror movie. Scream 3? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember when you did that in 2000? Remember that? 
and and Courtney Cox's bad haircut. You played Detective Kincaid. I don't remember oh, that. that. 2000 was a weird period. So bad. All oh, the bad. So bad. <laughs> oh, nothing could make it fucking possibly worse. Um, so that is the current <laughs> update on Scream 7. So we, we, we're going to be getting it, but it's obviously going to be retooled and reformed. Um, and there was I a couple things I wanted to talk we're about. We're not going to get the finishing of the story. I know you weren't a big fan of it and everything, but, you know, Didn't like, for, for me, it, no. I need closure. You know, I need finality, and I feel like they left a lot of open threads in that last movie because they were building towards, you know, something more. Um, you know, and it's almost like when you look at Terminator, fucking uh, Genesis. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. And, like, it mm-hmm. sucks because, like, there's a movie oh, yeah. that was, like, lay, laying yeah. the groundwork, so and it was a planned trilogy, and it's like, okay, listen, this is the first part of a longer story that left so many fucking open threads that we're never going to know. We're never going to fucking have any idea what the fucking story was going to be. And I can't even tell you, like, seriously, like, there are some stupid fucking things that keep me up at night. That is, like, one of them, because I'll put that fucking movie on, and, like, I'll watch about ten minutes of it before I pass out. And, like, as I'm fucking falling asleep, I'm like, you know, it sucks that we're never going to find out, like, who the fuck sent the Terminator back to Sarah Connor back when she was a kid in that movie. We're never going to know this stuff. You know, there's (laughs) multiple time jumps that happen in that movie. We're never oh, so going to find out any of this <laughs> why because they were like the movie didn't make enough money because we didn't trust that maybe it would make money with the next movie so instead we fucking panicked and decided to get Linda Hamilton back and make an even worse movie somehow you were oh, like hey God, we'll so bring bad. back the original fucking party but we're going to give you a mostly Spanish speaking movie and bring something back that was just terrible it was so fucking yep. dumb dark fucking yeah. whatever the fuck it was called it was stupid at least Genesis had yeah. something going with it. I can't remember what it was called now. And it wasn't Salvation. Dark that fate. was the Christian Bale Dark one. Fate. Dark, Dark fate. fate. Dark Fate. And a fucking terrible title, too. Dark Fate. Yep. Uh, that, that movie Dark just... Fate. And, yeah, Arnold couldn't shave his beard for that one, so he's a bearded fucking Terminator now. So, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... The whole movie sucked. Genesis was so fucking good. Like, I could put that on tonight and fucking enjoy that. I love Genesis. Like, I think you and me are the only two that like it. Yeah, Rails talked to me. I wasn't that good. Like, it's it has to be a bigger fan base for it. It, ha- it has to be <laughs> yeah. one of those movies that's cooked. You know what I mean? Like, people must be, yeah. like, finally catching it. And it's, like, one of those where everybody kind of kicks themselves in the ass. And they're like, oh, shit. You know what? Maybe we should have given this one a chance because maybe this could have been something good. But everybody was so quick to be like, oh, it's got the bitch from fucking Game of Thrones in it. And they're just trying to shove her down everybody's throats. And, oh, she's not my Sarah Connor. Blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and I get it. Nobody likes Kai Courtney or Courtney Kai, whatever the fuck his name is, Jay Courtney. Um, oh, Jay Courtney, the actor yeah. That yeah. Plays, the actor that plays Kyle Reese, and I get that. He's got, like, um, it's almost like Ben Affleck. He's got, like, that douchey look and that douchey persona about him. So, like, even when he's playing Kyle Reese, who's supposed to be like, hey, I'm Sarah Connor's protector. I'm in love with Sarah Connor. Like, I think of, you know, a, a fucking Michael Bain. And, like, you saw that in everything that that mm-hmm. character did leading up to everything that occurs in that first Terminator movie. Jay Courtney, you're like, he's just an asshole. Like, why are you an asshole all the time? <laughs> 
Like, stop being an asshole for five minutes. This isn't fucking the, the Divergent series. You don't need to play an asshole. You played an asshole in that. You know, so he, he reminds me of a fucking, uh, I don't know the actor. I can't think of the actor's name, but he was the one that was in fucking Avatar and uh, and the uh, the Clash of the Titans remakes and stuff like that. Uh, oh, Sam something. Sam, Sam Waterson or some shit like that. But, yeah, uh, but like, he, like remi- that. he reminds me of, like, the fucking, uh, like, the Timu brand. Uh, of that actor, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, oh, we we can't afford <laughs> yeah. to get him somehow because that guy ain't fucking really working other than Avatar movies anyway. But we couldn't afford to get him, so so we got Jay, Jay Courtney instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Jay, well, he wasn't bad in Suicide Squad movies as Captain Boomerang. So I give him that much. He was pretty. pretty see him for all of five minutes. He's, no, he's in the first in the the, the Ayer Suicide Squad, you see him a little bit more. Not in the. Uh, not in guns, cut gun, cut and run away. <laughs> glorious <laughs> fucking fashion. Literally, literally <laughs> yeah. cut him right away. Oh, I just just, yeah, take care of that. Oh, so it's still fucking good. Fucking love so Weasel, funny. bro. Weasel is so fucking fucking funny, dude. That fucking <laughs> bug-eyed fucking thing. The fact that he lives at the end, you just see him coughing up the fucking water and running off into the fucking island. I was like, yeah, you live. <laughs> what is that, a dog? <laughs> no, it ain't a dog. Look in the glass. <laughs> oh, just look in the glass of the fucking jail cell. And just stop and look at the guys. Um, oh, so good. Uh, so, yeah, before we get into Terrifier 2, the last two things I want to talk about involve Bruce Campbell, uh, our warden savior, as we always talk about on the show. Uh, he has a new show coming up tomorrow that's going to be on the Maximum Effort channel. And if that sounds familiar to you, that's because it's Ryan Reynolds' channel, uh, which is on Wow. Google. So he has a channel <laughs> called Maximum Effort. Uh, and Bruce Campbell is going to be hosting a show called Discontinued. Uh, this delves into past products and trends from the BlackBerry to Blockbuster video, they used to dominate the U.S. while various comedians provide snarky commentary. The series' whole setup sounds a lot like Mystery Science Theater 3000 because the show is going to be set in 2037 with Campbell sealed inside of a cave with the last shreds of humanity's glorious past. I was like, you know what? Oh, so, oh. Fuck it. I'm in for that. <laughs> it's like, I, I just, it just sounds fucking great. You know, I mean, I watch anything Bruce Campbell does. That's doesn't really matter. You can be sitting there reading the phone book, and I'm like, you're the fucking god, Bruce. <laughs> you know, the fact that he's doing this is great. Um, so while he was promoting Discontinued, he talked to uh, comicbook.com, and he was talking about his work in, in Marvel with Sam uh, Raimi and the Spider-Man trilogy and Doctor Strange and Multiple of uh, Madness, um, and he was saying how they're all connected, and he was asked about his cameos. So he said the cameos are like in the Spider-Man movies. If you know anything about the multiverse, you know now retroactively – I'm in the multiverse now because of Dr. Strange. I'm not a pizza vendor, okay? That will be a massive mistake to think I'm just a pizza vendor or an usher or a ring announcer or a maitre d'. It's called the multiverse, my friend. So, yes, he is the same character. But we don't really know who he is. It's not been revealed yet. I just got off the phone with the guys in Marvel. We're getting close to figuring that out. So, big lie there. I guarantee you he's not talking to Marvel about <laughs> <laughs> You know, but... The fact that he's like, yeah, they're all the fucking same person. So he's like fucking Kang and shit like that in the multiverse. <laughs> it's just the same guy just caught in different scenarios as a ring announcer, as a major D. Sure. Well, no, that may, but Pizza see, Papa. that's the thing. It, it does make sense. You know, like mm-hmm. that in each of, but then what that does say is that Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 
are all different universes. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he's a different person in each one of those. So he kind of fucks up right there. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I would love to see a fucking movie where all of them are combined because he was supposed to be Mysterio at one point in Spider-Man 4 oh. that Sam Raimi was going to do before he left the project. And I was like, you know what? Maybe not, but I wouldn't mind back then seeing Campbell as Mysterio, especially after part three. I don't know. Probably would have been refreshing after fucking uh, Topher Grace says fucking Venom. I'm going to go ballsy, right? And this, is, this would be my casting for, for Bruce Campbell. And mm-hmm. I know that, this, that this, this role is already entrenched in everybody's mind as a very specific actor. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you can go period with it, which, you know, we, we've seen this once already with, with the Captain America, the first Avenger movie. Um, I think you make him the original Nick Fury for Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. Because there's no way to bring Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury to the 1940s. But you could right. bring Bruce Campbell and make him a fucking big, thick-jawed fucking dude with a patch who was badass fucking military with a gun. I mean, I'm not going to say it couldn't work, but, you know, what about uh, David Hasselhoff? No. He was the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <That's> the... <laughs> 1998, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a thing. They tried. If they pulled that out of their fucking pockets in this multiverse shit, yo, I'll probably shit myself. Yeah, and and it wouldn't be a surprise. They did it it with the fucking uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths with the the WB TV series, so the CW series. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, when when they did Crisis... They did all kinds of combinations. You saw all kinds of universes colliding with one another. And uh, they, they pulled some shit out of their, their hats. And they did it again in the Flash movie. So. They did, yeah. I mean, they, they did it epically in the Flash movie. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Hasselhoff and fucking Samuel L. Jackson fucking playing the same character in the multiverse. <laughs> like, you know, fucking, I would love that scene. Oh, my God. And guess what? <laughs> but here's the thing, too. You know what, King? You're genius. Mm-hmm. Because you do know we have Hasselhoff in the MCU already from yeah, Guardians, you yep. know. So and we've even seen him at the end of David fucking Hasselfra. Guardians too. <laughs> yep. So this could happen. Yeah, so, there we go. It could happen. I mean, I'd, I'd be all for it. Fucking, he's been in the fucking universe. He was in the music video for Guardians Inferno. Abel Hasselhoff. <laughs> yes, he was. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in the credits at the end of fucking volume two. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's just, it's so fucking good. Because he was fucking, that was the hero of fucking uh, Star Wars <laughs> when he transformed into David Hasselhoff. And that scene at the end, he's like, is this better? And he's like, oh, shit. It's fucking Knight Rider. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so it could happen. We could have Nick Fury versus Nick Fury in the multiverse. I, I mean, I, I would pay <laughs> to see that. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, that, that's all I had. Um, I had more, but that just depends on if the Dean's back next week, because uh, I'll save some of those. Um, so right. we are talking about the Gold Geek Keith film pick of the week tonight. Terrifier 2, I believe it came out last year, uh, and it's directed by Damien Leone. So, Gould, you have the floor. Uh, tell us a little bit about the plot, what you thought about it, and uh, let's uh, join the fun at the Clown Cafe. 
I'm sorry I talk so much, man. I really am a fucker. You know, like, you know, it's, dude, it's, it's, it's a great, we have, have, we're having, dude, have it's a, a great I episode, man. <laughs> like, I haven't been feeling good at all. And like today is like the first, first night that I'm actually like feeling better. So, so, so thank you. It's always great when I get to share that with Fuck you guys. Yeah, um, so, 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 so I'm going to quote Eminem. Okay. To, to, to kick off. What terrifier to wow. you know? Hey, kids, really? do you like violence? <laughs> you know? So that, that, I think, right there, in and of itself, explains what terrifier is as a series. I mean, I'd love to tell you that it's got some kind of plot that, like, this is some two-and-a-half-hour mm. of, of, char- of character <laughs> development and story building and an introduction to a fucking villain that is, like, mesmerizing and and intense and somebody that like you can't wait to see them do you know the things that they're gonna do no no this this movie is pretty much what you get with a fucking terrifier movie which is art the clown walking around stalking people and just violently dismembering them because this is what this character does we have no fucking we have zero zero motivation we have Nothing known about the guy. He don't say shit. He don't do shit other than just kill people for the sake of killing people. But what I will give him is this. What they lack in story, they make up for in style. Because, you know, in a lot of times we watch these horror movies and they'll use, like, jump cuts or clever, you know, ways to, like, hide what it is that they're doing whenever, like, you're getting a kill or a dismemberment. Damien Leone <laughs> says, fuck that. Fuck that completely. <laughs> I'm going to show you the entire thing. And you know what? Yeah, sometimes you can see clearly that that's not a human head being squished. But you're <laughs> yeah. watching a physical piece of fucking material being squished, which is so <laughs> nice in this day and age of CGI. And, you know, if, if anything, that is at least what Terrifier brings to me, is that it brings me back to, like, things had a physicality about them. It could get messy. And, and, and you know what? This is, I feel like this is, like, the love child of what, like, the 80s slasher films were to become. So, I mean, again, that, that's Terrifier. Art the Clown kills people. Yeah. What do you yeah. think about it, Monkey? <laughs> um... It was better than the first one. <laughs> uh, you know, but that's not saying much. This one, this one was definitely not a one-trick pony. <laughs> like the first one was. Oh, man. It's like, you know, and, you know, we the king said it on the show, you know, before, stuff like that, you know, dude's got his own idea, his own project, and he's going to go ahead and do it, independent horror, you know, going and bringing something out and uh, turning it into this very profitable property, you know, good for him. You know, th- that's awesome, you know, but it's just at the same time, it's like, we don't really know what this character is, though. It's like, because it's like, we have 
this massacre is set up like it's Halloween. He kills like he's fucking Jason. Apparently, he jumps around and dreams like he's Freddy. Now he has a little female sidekick like it's Annabelle or something like that. It's like, you know, he, <laughs> the creator of this was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to take bits and pieces from everybody. I don't give a shit. It doesn't have to make sense. It's my fucking movie. And we're going to do it and just turn it into this big, huge bloody fucking mess and while i'm not a fan of art the clown like as a character he like uh, like annoys the fuck out of me like i i I think it's just the acting that that's being done it's like but at the same time though it's like i like you were saying i fucking loved all of the practical effects that were in this thing it was nasty it was gory it was disgusting disgusting and it was fucking lovely it really was you know and the the fact that the creator tried to use very very little cgi at you know and um when he did use it he was using it to layer on top of practical effects that he built to add layers to the practical effects. So I thought that was a very great, you know, really, really good use of CGI instead of adjusting, you know, see all CGI head and then we're going to sit there and do this, you know, nasty anime style sprawl all over the place and then do the slit and the head slides off and all that kind of stuff like they like to do. It's just, nope, we're going to just sit there and just have it nasty and chunky and gory and yeah. (laughs) Hope you didn't bring your girlfriend along because she's going to be really upset when you make her sit through this. Like, so, ah. but at the same time, two and a half hours, no, <laughs> you could have at least trimmed this down to an hour forty-five. It, 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 it was you were just pushing like you could have trimmed all forty-five minutes and saved it for part three or something. But still, big, big, nasty, bloody mess. And yeah, it, it was fun. <laughs> it was yeah. It just could have been a little bit shorter. King, what did you think of this thing? <clears throat> Um, I mean, much like you guys had said, I, I think uh, the biggest problem I had with Terrifier 2 is the runtime. I felt like it was just yeah. way too long. Um, a lot of it was padding. Like I said in the group chat last night, like there's a lot of this movie where it's clearly padding, where it's like I, I'm mm-hmm. just going to add like another 10 minutes because I, I can, because I'm going to make this movie two hours and 18 minutes. Um, you get to the ending and you're like, you know what? It's over. Uh, I'm good. And then you find out that there's a post-credit sequence that runs on forever. And you're like, okay. Okay, like I'm watching this and I'm 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 setting it up and it's like why is it taking so long? Like it's a post credit sequence. It's only supposed to be like two minutes, and it felt like it, it was half the movie, um, you know. And I I when I watched it this time, I was trying to figure out like why people might like Art the Clown so much because I know a lot of people on the internet love Art the Clown, and I, and there's a certain appeal I guess of Art the Clown, you know, with how he kind of can be kind of funny I guess. But like the monkey had said, it's it's like you're taking all the parts of all the classic horror movie slashers and you're kind of throwing them into one character, but you just, you don't really care enough about that character to kind of want us to really know about him. You know, like what you have the little pale girl in this movie. Why is she there? Like the, I, I understand she was a victim at one point, but like what was her purpose other than to just smile a lot and kind of be creepy. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. Like it just, it, it just, it, it, uh, 
it just it felt like you know like Damon Leone like I have always said I I give him a lot of credit for making these movies and for making a lot of money and being successful but honestly when you watch these fucking movies it's like a teenager watched a bunch of 80s slasher movies and he's like what if we just fucking put all the good kills in there and then we can worry about the story later like we will worry about the story when all the kills are done we'll figure out how we can make a story and then he kind of forgot about that and he's like yeah it'll work out people aren't really going to care about the story they're going to want the kills and that's true to a certain extent but at the same time make it an hour and 30 minutes because i remember i was at an hour 45 last night watching it and i had to step away I was like, I've been watching this for too long. I was like, I just, I need to go to bed. I was like, I just, I, I'll watch the rest on Wednesday when I get home from work. I was like, but this is the part of the movie. In an hour and 45 minutes, I should be watching credits. I was like, in a slasher movie, I should be at the credits at this point. Uh, but I'm not even in the third act yet. So <laughs> I was like, it's astonishing. But uh, it's not a terrible movie. I won't say it's terrible. Like, the kills were fun, but... A lot of people were talking about the bedroom scene, and they're like, oh, fuck, the bedroom scene in Terrifier 2. It's so fucked up, man. Like, it's just, it's horrible. I'm like, I can't say the same thing because I'm a jaded horror movie fan. I've been watching my whole same life. Here. Like, that bedroom scene I love it, made though. me fucking laugh. It just, it, I couldn't stop laughing during the entire thing. Cause it, but we'll talk about it. But I was like, oh, that was it? That was it? I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right, that's not so bad. I was like, but I just I love people freaking out about it. But anyway. Um, it, and so again, for after, your average, yeah. so for your average horror girl, and I know we're yeah. going to talk about the theme when we get to it, um, but yeah. for your average horror movie fan, you know, your, your regular, hey, we see horror movies like The Conjuring and, and even, you know, so, some of the more, more R-rated shit, I still do understand where for them, that bedroom scene is like a major event. To us, again, we've seen shit like Sallow and, you know, a Serbian film. <laughs> like, we've seen mm-hmm. films in which that bedroom scene is just another scene that we've seen, you know, in, in other ways. It, it is horrifically gory, though. Um, but just to kind of to, 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 to ask a question real quick, was this your first time watching Terrifier 2? Yeah, it was mine. Okay, so it was for you. Monkey, what about you? Yeah, same here, man. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, because we, we covered the first one on the show, and then, yeah, this, this was my first time checking it out. Okay. So one thing that I did notice with the runtime, right, as weird as this is going to sound, and I do agree, I agree that this movie is way too long, it didn't feel as long watching it. This is my second time watching it. Now, the first time I watched mm. it, I had uh, – I, you know, it's when I got Screenbox originally, and there was a reason I got Screenbox. Yeah. You know, I was like, ah, fuck it. You know, it's $26 for the year. I'm going to get it. I get to watch Terrifier 2, you know, at home once it released. And that first mm-hmm. time I watched it, I really felt that fucking two hours and change. I was like, wow, this is just ridiculously long. What the fuck is going on? You know, all this and that. Watching it this time, knowing completely what I was in for, and what I wasn't going to be getting from the film, I really did not notice that two hours and change. It, like, fucking flew by. Like, it was, the movie was <laughs> over before I knew it. And, like, you know, it was even to the point that I had forgotten. Like, you know, when the movie ended, I was like, oh, yeah, isn't, like, because I saw his name in the credits. And I'm like, is it Chris Jericho supposed to be in this fucking movie somewhere? And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Here, here comes this fat ass. Hold on. The one thing yeah, with the runtime like, for this film is that I know that, like, you know, 
like you said, Bing, Damien Leone is somebody that watched a lot of movies that we like and was like, hey, I can do that too, except I'm going to do it and just take it a little bit further because I'm making movies that are not, you know, studio driven. I can do what the fuck I want. Mm -hmm. And he's gotten enough people, you know, unlike, you know, we've seen movies made by people like us who don't get the kind of funding to get to the level that this guy has gotten to. We've also seen people get funding with limited resources. And even then, like they're writing their stories that their level of creativity is limited because they don't have what this guy has. He does have something. In order for him to capture audiences the way he has and for him to get people to react to the story and to be willing to part with their hard-earned money to fund this and create this, the budget for this movie is worlds above what he had in the first one, and he turned around, and rather than churning out another movie like the first movie, he did say, hey, listen, you know, you guys believed in me. Well, this is what I'm going to give you. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you this big, long fucking epic film. Mm, epic film, whatever. It's two movies is what it really is. The character played by the female lead is actually a different character that he thought of for an entirely different story that he decided to put into this movie to try to make this a bigger movie. And that's why you get a two-hour and change runtime. I can see that too. You know, like I said, it, I will say that. Like I said, it's not a terrible movie. Like I've seen a lot worse. Um, it's mm-hmm. not terrible. It's just that there's there's just a lot of cutting that I would have done. Like I could have easily made this an hour and a half movie, um, and and yep. kept it all tight with the kills. But um, getting to the movie itself. <clears throat> so as we know, um, after being resurrected by an unknown entity following the Miles County massacre, Art the Clown uses a bone hammer to brutally murder the coroner investigating his body. Art also steals the coroner's eye so he can see, as well as he taking anything else uh, that he can get his hands on before destroying the coroner's head. He then arrives at a laundromat to clean his blood-soaked garments, where he encounters the little pale girl, a mysterious my laundromat. entity. Yes, that's your laundromat. That <laughs> is my laundromat. Okay. That is the English so. laundromat. We go there all the time. The little monster pointed that out the first time watching this movie. She's like... That is our laundromat. I'm like, get out of here. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it does look like our laundromat. But I'm like, ah, all laundromats look the same. But sure enough, they actually did fucking film that scene in the laundromat in Englishtown. I never fucking heard neither hide nor hair that that was going on in this area. So kudos to them for fucking getting away with it. But I do love the fact that this little creepy demon girl shits all over the floor. She shit herself. <laughs> she shits herself because, well, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? Just she to make you uncomfortable. And, and, of course, you know, I should have noted that Art is naked throughout this entire scene except for his mask because uh, he, he's washing his clothes. But when he gets his clothes out of the wash, his mask is clean, too. So I guess he cleaned that at some point. Um, and then, anyway, there's a lone patron sitting there at the laundromat. He sees Art interacting with the pale little girl, which is invisible to the patron. And then we later see that the patron had been killed by Art, you know, just completely just, you know, massacred. So we cut to a year later. Where a teenager and all-around smoke show Sienna Shaw is putting the finishing touches on her Halloween costume, which is an angel warrior that was made by her father, recently dead of a brain tumor. Sienna's younger brother and budding serial killer Jonathan 
once addressed as Art for <laughs> Halloween and has become fixated with him since discovering sketches of Art and his victims from the Miles County Massacre and their father's scrapbook. So that night, Sienna has a nightmare where she encounters Art at the fucking Clown Cafe where we see a bunch of kids all laughing and having fun, and by kids I'm being liberal because they're like fucking 30, uh, but they're all hanging out and, at the Clown Cafe, singing along, eating snacks, where Art discovers Sienna and gives her a gift-wrapped heart and then uses a Tommy gun to kill everyone at the Clown Cafe. He also sets fire to the clown lady who won't stop singing the Clown Cafe theme song. But this causes Sienna to wake up because there's a fire <laughs> on her dresser which destroys the wings that were needed for her costume, while a sword that was a gift to her from her father remains unscathed. By the way, though, we don't in need no, no way water. is Jonathan ever implicated in this fire, even though he's a budding serial killer and probably an arsonist as well, never once gets questioned about this fire. The mom just kind of says, well, your fucking candles were all lit. She's like, no, they were blown out. By the where were you, Jonathan? Nowhere. Yeah, you were strangling cats again, weren't you? And, you know, this fucking kid, like, you know, he just... Missed opportunities with Jonathan the entire fucking movie. Yeah, no, again, like, this is missed opportunities with Jonathan. I was waiting for it to go someplace else in the third act, and it didn't, and I was fucking bummed. I was like, is there a fucking great way to fucking... Yeah, I do wonder if this is where they want to go. I mean, who knows? You know, like, here's the thing. I want to say, like, hey, maybe this is stuff he's going to explore in the third film, but at the same time, too... This could all be completely dropped, and the third movie could have nothing to do with the second movie at all. Um, yeah. That, that yeah, is yeah. how this guy is playing everything, you know? So, like, I, I know he's he's got a third movie already, like, getting getting ready to be done. But, but yeah, it's uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the future you of the franchise. Me, but I do... I do agree. You know, Jonathan is kind of like a, an afterthought with things, even though introduced as, like, he, basically a side, a side project. Because, well, it's just like the fucking uh, pale little girl. Like, she's in the movie, sure, and she's kind of cool to look at because she's fucking psychotic with her eyes and her mouth and shit like that, but she doesn't really add anything. <clears throat> It'd be different if we saw her kill somebody or, like, cut off somebody's head or something, but she's just kind of there to hang out. Then we find out about her later. Um, but, um, yeah, Terrified well, Freeze is going to take place on Christmas, too. So, so. I, I, yeah. I know you can't ever trust them. But if you if you watch the movie with subtitles, she's mm-hmm. listed as Demon Girl, you know, specifically. Okay. So I do wonder if that ties into something, because we know she's not there. You know, like, the only people right. seeing okay. her are, are obviously Art, Jonathan, and and the, the, the main character, whose name I forget. Um, Sienna. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I know you say she's a smoke show. You know, there's something about like I want to think she's hot. I do. This, I, I think it's her nose. I think there's something. No. I think uh, her nose is like slightly off, and it does something to her face that is kind of like, oh, you know, when she was dressed up at the end of the movie, though, I was like, oh man, she's fucking hot. We saw her at the uh, the Horicon in, in Maryland, so uh, Monster Mania down there. Yeah, sorry, yeah, King. I, I, I gotta disagree yeah. with you, man. There, she she did absolutely nothing for me. I don't need any of you to agree with me. I don't need. I'm yeah. not agree. I'm making a fucking statement, you know. Especially when she's all hopped up on fucking Molly and shit like that later in the movie. I'm like, goddamn, yes, I'd be that fucking guy doing. Like, hey, can you get a selfie? Like, hell yeah, dude. I'd be like, dude, you want to fucking dance and shit? Like, no, I, I was all about her. But anyway, um, well, no, here's so the problem. Say with the selfie, right? You do realize the guy with the selfie interrupts what could possibly have been a great lesbian moment. 
Like, she was yep. ready to oh, get absolutely. involved with yeah. the fucking yeah. threesome. And that fucker has to come and ruin that moment by fucking asking that question. Like, motherfucker, dude, like, like you see that going on. I'm not asking her shit. I'm standing there watching with my fucking jaw open, hoping to fucking, you know, not pull out my dick so I can fucking, well, maybe get involved if she does. <laughs> Especially when she pulled, yeah. pulled her in the hallway and started pulling on her hair and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, it's about yeah. to go down. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, no, see, I mean, her friend Brooke, not not such a fan, but no, I was a fan of uh, of Sienna all the way. Especially when she, she put on that fucking warrior costume. So again, to keep using like Timu and all that kind of stuff, she reminds me of like the cheap version of Emmy Rossum. Like we can't afford to oh, get Emmy Rossum, but we're gonna get this chick. She kind of looks like her, and <laughs> she sounds like her, and acts like her as well. That's a good call, dude. I didn't think of Emmy Rossum, but yeah, no, that's that's almost fucking exact, but wild. Um, so anyway, on Halloween, uh, Jonathan sees two of his friends playing with the dead possum, and for some reason, Felissa Rose shows up and she's like, "Hey, go back to class." I'm like, "Oh, look, it's Angela," but she's just in and out. So just a one and done. Uh, she's a teacher uh, and tells everybody to go back to Did school. Did you recognize um, one of his friends? No. Who was the, one of the friends? Oh, oh, you you didn't recognize him. That's little no. Russo. Is it? Oh shit! Yes, that's Daniel's son <laughs> in fucking uh, in in Cobra Kai. Oh, I didn't oh. even put it together. Fucking, I fucking asked Larusso. Just went right over my head. In this world too. So uh, we also. You would have thought that would have come back at some point, right? You have these kids that you introduce. Yeah. They're assholes. They're playing around with these animals. You would have thought those mm-hmm. characters would have gotten a comeuppance for what they did. But no, nope, yeah. they're just like, hey, we, we hired you. Bye. See you later. Yeah, and, but again, yeah, they're, they're talking about, about writing. <laughs> this exactly. would be as yeah, nice there's, there's, writing. There's no, uh, <laughs> there's no character <laughs> development here, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, you know, because that could have been something, um, you know, because you have the little girl Stephanie being called over by the boys, and she's like, oh, gross, you know. But um, but either way, later on in school, Jonathan is walking in the hall, and he sees Art and the little pale girl playing with the possum, and uh, he gets freaked out by this, and Art just fucking flings the dead uh, possum at him, and he and Jonathan freaks out, runs away, and the teacher's like, you little shit. Like, you know, she didn't say that, but she's like, God, what the fuck did you do? And uh, that's a possum. So well, I don't know, man. If it, was an, if, if it was an English town teacher, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what are they like? Yeah. <laughs> well, the rest, I know English town teachers. The, is, the rest of the movie isn't filmed in English town, just, just the laundry mat No. Just oh, the okay. But then, <laughs> So we cut to later with Sienna at school with her friends, uh, you know, Brooke and Allie. And Sienna has a panic attack for some reason when her friends bring up Victoria Hayes' meltdown and mutilation of controversial talk show host Monica Brown, Victoria Hayes being the survivor of Terrifier 1. Uh, later, Sienna and Allie go to a costume shop to buy a replacement pair of wings. And when they encounter Art, uh, this is the only time I actually kind of really liked Art the Clown is when uh, he's trying the fucking sunglasses and he's just fucking standing there and he just fucking poses. And <laughs> he's got his mouth hanging open and just has his hands up in the air. I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. He's kind of fun. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, because we, because we've all there. done that in the spirit Halloween. Oh yeah. Just, but the fact dressing that, up and doing the stupid shit. Oh, of course. But it's the fact that well, you I, have, um, yeah, go ahead. 
No, 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 go, 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 please finish your thought first. I was going to say, it's, it's just the fact that you have, like, this great moment of tension when, when Sienna's in the store and she loses her purse, and she's like, oh, I want to pay for these wings. I don't have my purse. And all of a sudden, Art shows up and slams the fucking purse down on the counter. Yep. And she's like, oh, oh, shit. Like, you know, and she's like, I know he's here. I don't want to pay attention to him. And then the, the fucking Ricky, the store owner, is like, oh, hey, anyway, i got to go into the back and grab a big bag. She's like, no, it's cool. Don't. And he's like, no, but seriously, though. And then he leaves, and then Art picks up that little fucking toy horn, and she just goes, please don't. And he goes, <laughs> like, in her fucking ear. I was like, the, but the fucking fear on her face, like, it just, it made it really fucking cool. Because it wasn't like, please don't, like, you're annoying me. It was, please don't, you're scaring me. And I want you to go away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this, it really fucking worked. Well, what's funny That's why is, I like, is, like she, she, obviously, mm-hmm. like, she, her brother, like, they have an inherent fear for this character, you know, and mm-hmm. like, all, they, all they know of him at this point is he's just this guy that was involved with this massacre. But as all the news reports and everything say, there is no motivation. Nobody knows who the fuck he is. They don't know why he did what he did, nor do they know where his fucking, where his body went. You know, so the fact that only these two people are afraid of this guy, you know, it's funny, like, when he first shows up in that scene, I'm almost wondering if it's like it is with the little girl in the laundromat. Is she the only one that can see him? Thankfully, we see Ricky interact with him, and therefore we know that he also sees this fucking guy. But what mm-hmm. I was going to say is, it's like, okay, you know, the one thing I will give them for, for Art the Clown, what I'll give Damian Leone the, the credit for yeah. is, you know, we've seen a lot of movies with clowns in it. And in a world mm-hmm. in which yep. we have something as classic as It, in which, you know, we've had Pennywise the Clown played by two two actors, you know, one iconic, you know, when we're talking about the 90s, you know, the miniseries. Yeah, Tim Curry. Then, Tim, Curry. Know, the, Tim Curry. And then, you know, then the latest film, which maybe uh, Skarsgård's, maybe Skarsgård isn't so much the, the, he's not a Tim Curry level performance, but the movie grew to such height and such popularity that it reached heights that that 90s miniseries never reaches. So, like, you know, again, that that puts it in a a bigger cultural zeitgeist, even if the second film is a bit of a letdown for a lot of people. But that first one, part one, is fucking a phenomenal movie from start to... um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to put a movie with a clown in it and actually make it something... That's watchable, for any lack of a better word, you know? Like, realistically speaking, we have Art, yeah. who doesn't say anything. He's not wisecracking. He's not a fucking jokester, other than the fact that he puts these glasses on and always has this smile on his face and has that same look on his face as he's literally ripping people's bodies to shreds. So yeah, take that mm-hmm. for what you will. <clears throat> And he, he does, like, do a lot of good well, – David Howard Thornton does a lot of good work with his eyes, too, a lot of the times. Like, you know, when he does, like, the hey, fuck me eyes to Sienna when he sees her, when he's just folded his arms and watching her. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just enjoy it. But anyway, Art, um, he ends up closing the store, locking the door, and then he kills shop vendor Ricky by plunging a broken bottle into his eye and then cutting off his head with a meat cleaver. And then we see later Jonathan at home showing Sienna their father's sketchbook <laughs> and says something bad's going to happen that night. But Sienna really isn't believing him, but she doesn't believe that he vandalized a school with a dead possum. But later, 
uh, Art shows up at Allie's house and ready to trick or treat. And again, I kind of dug it. I don't know why he has a black van, but, you know, he's a creeper, so of course he's going to have a black van. But when he shoves that fucking bag in her face and he's like, please give me candy, please give me candy. When she walks in, she just sees all the fucking rusty knives and shit. And she's like, ah, I'm all right. Like, I, I think I'm good. I'm just, I'm not going to give you any. And he's just like, oh, fuck that. So he decides. No, see, break it <laughs> now she deserves to die because <laughs> she broke the rules of Halloween. <laughs> you're in costume at the door. She, yeah. You know, you break the, you break the <laughs> rules. And now, now you go into a whole other level of bullshit that's about to happen. But, you know, of course, like later, he breaks into her house at night, <clears throat> takes a drink of water, and she sees him there. And then she could run, but she ends up being scared long enough for Art to kind of chase after her right up into her bedroom. And that's where the maiming begins. Uh, because he decides to grab scissors and he begins flaying off her skin um, and chopping off her arm, brutally stabbing her. Uh, then when you think it's over because he runs out of the room, and you think, oh, that's it. Like, he's just going to fucking leave. No, he comes back with bleach and salt uh, and decides to dump it all over her body. And I'm cracking up at this point. I am fucking... He's literally rubbing salt in the wound. And rubbing salt. But, like, see how you say, like, he's chopping the arm off with the cleaver, right? Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. typical shit. We see that in, like, gory or horror films. Yep. That's not the one yep. that was, like, you know, cringeworthy. It's the bending the one arm back and snapping oh, the bones. Yeah, yep. And the fact that back they, and forth, you know, back and forth. You know, like, and back and forth, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, you know, like, I know me, like, all this kind of shit, right, doesn't, doesn't get me, doesn't, doesn't get me queasy. Like, I, I can watch all this shit fucking all day long. But, like, you can put on, like, you know, those fucking MMA fights where you see somebody, like, kick somebody and their oh, shin collapses yeah. and their leg oh. like, looks like a fucking oh. rubber band. Dude, I'm like, man, man I, tap, I tap my shit on something and I'm on the floor <laughs> rolling around like I've been fucking, like, named, <laughs> yeah. okay? You might as well be fucking Art the Clown. You know, oh, I hit my fucking shit on the chair. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. It's over. Fucking woe is me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, that did definitely did get a cringe out of me, but I just think because it was so silly and over the top, and you could see that it was just really cool kind of practical effects, I just couldn't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. Just because it was just, I don't know. Like, I, I Don't get me wrong. I dug it. I thought it was great, like a violent set piece. But I loved it when the mom comes home, and she's looking for her daughter and sees the broken window, um, the door, the glass door. And when she goes upstairs, you see that Allie's still fucking alive. And you just see Art cutting up her leg, and then that he just kind of does his whoa of Art, and he puts his fucking hands up like, "Who can blame me?" Like, you know, it's like again, he kind of got a chuckle out of me because it was it was just he's a psychotic killer, and he's just like, "Oh me," like, you know. But well, it's like the, the mom opens that. the door, and you're like, "There's no way that you know." You're like, "Oh shit, she came." It reminded me of the scene in Scream. You know, where she, mm-hmm. like, knows something's wrong. There's that build-up baby. You know, your, your mom's on the phone with fucking yeah. Casey as she's dying, like, mm-hmm. that kind of shit. But, like, she gets upstairs. She knows something's up. She walks in. And, like, you know, when I uh, – for me, like, sometimes I try to apply, like, just a little level of, like, realism, right? And I try to think of, like, what your reaction is as a real human being if you walk in and that's what you see. And, like, you know, you got to figure – that like 90% of the population, most people, that's just going to break their brain. You walk into that yeah. room, you see your child, you know, you see anybody, but let alone your child, literally eviscerated into pieces, her fucking <laughs> brain sticking out, this fucking weird-looking clown sitting there chopping <laughs> into her, 
And then she opens her fucking eyes and she's still alive. Like, oh, fuck me. That's like one of those fucking things where you see like a gif, right? Where like, you know, you can put it in and like you just see like Bart Simpson melting or like sizzling away. <laughs> like as a human being, I just picture like my entire like being just like melting away. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, the mom sees this and we see that Allie's still alive during this. Uh, and then she ends up being killed by Art, and her head is used as a bucket to serve candy out of. That kids take candy out of, and they're like, where, where? I don't know. I loved it. I thought that, that was good. I thought that was so fucking oh, it's good. Just, I was, uh, it's, just, it's just fake blood. Shut up, you little pussy. Yeah. It's <laughs> candy. <laughs> So the moms in this movie are just like hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) So Jonathan at home shows Barbara, his mom, his father's sketchbook of art, filled the newspaper clippings of killings connected to art, revealing that the little pale girl resembles uh, Emily Crane, the first victim of art, the daughter of a circus performer whose body was discovered in a makeup trailer. Um, Jonathan believes that? that their father knew that? Her. Like, I never got around to, like, yep. I meant to. Okay, oh, I called cool. it, believe me, because I, I wanted something. So, yeah. So, yeah, okay. Emily Crane was the first victim, and she was found dead in a makeup trailer. Jonathan thinks that the father knew how to stop art, uh, but nobody believes him, including his mom, who tears up the sketchbook and then hits Jonathan after he calls her a bitch. Jonathan deserved it. If I ever called my mom a bitch, bitch. she would fucking throw me outside and fucking put a gun in my mouth. Like, are you kidding? Like, you know, like, okay. you know, easy. Uh, you can't, you but do remember my story like at the beginning a, of the show, right? <laughs> 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 but also, it's like this mom was a total fucking cunt. She really was, man. It's like she wasn't given, like, any room for her kids to like her in any way, shape, or form. All she was doing was just fucking just yelling at him all the fucking time. I want to be like, just take a fucking Valium. Shut the fuck up. It's just, oh, uh, she was like just so fucking annoying. <laughs> you know what? I, here's where I'll say like, okay, we want some character motivation. We want some character development, right? Let's just put ourselves into this character's, you know, mindset. She's a woman who just lost her husband, the father mm-hmm. yeah. of her two children. <laughs> she doesn't mm-hmm. even have the time to mourn the loss of her husband because she's dealing with a daughter who's in a very rebellious age and a son who's showcasing mental fucking illness of his own, which she now has to actually worry about because her husband had mental illness as well. Mm -hmm. And killed himself. (laughs) But yes, but at the same time, if that's the case, then you don't go around calling your kids little fuckers and disrespectful fucks and all that kind of shit the entire time. It's like, you you know, it's like, uh, yes, you do. I got called a lot worse. (laughs) When I was a kid. <laughs> Who are you talking about? I got called a lot of fucking words. So <laughs> he got off easy. <laughs> you know? And then his little ass runs away. I'm like, oh, you fucking little asshole. He deserved it. <laughs> um, but later, after Jonathan runs away, <laughs> yeah, um, Barbara finds her car vandalized with eggs and shaving cream, and she talks to her daughter on the phone about it. And, of course, she's like, well, it's fucking shaving cream and eggs. Who cares? Are you drunk? No. No, I'm fine. Um, but so she decides, you know, she's going to kill that kid when he gets home or whatever. So well, she's decides, tripping on Molly instead. <laughs> she's not <laughs> drunk, but she's definitely tripping on Molly. <laughs> oh, she's definitely tripping out. So um, while Barbara cleans the car, 
Art finds her and blows her head off with a sawed-off shotgun. Great effect. Head goes fucking bouncing off the wall of the garage. I was like, you know, I'm not hating it. Um, so when Jonathan no returns home, to it. he finds his mother's no corpse up. and the fucking there's no, head. There's no nothing but a shock for this fucking nope. this scene. You know what I mean? There's literally her wiping the mm-hmm. window. There's the gun. There's yep. no threat. There's no, like, we're going to take a second. It's, nope, there's the gun. Boom, the trigger's blown, and the fucking head explodes. There's no suffering involved. <laughs> she's just, she's no, gone. No, just gone. And then, yeah, Jonathan finally decides to return home. And when he comes home, his mom's body is positioned in a chair at the dining room table. Her face obviously pretty much gone after the shotgun blast. But then in comes Art wearing a fucking apron covered in blood, ringing the dinner bell, you know, because it's dinner time. He plops some mashed potatoes down on mom's plate and then just shoves it into the fucking hole in her face. And, again, I liked it. I was laughing. I was like, this is kind of funny. He's just fucking wandering around with his apron on, acting like it's dinner time. And then the little pale girl shows up for some reason, and Jonathan tries to run, but Art catches up to him because he's got a needle that he's going to use to knock Jonathan out. And I like the fact that we've seen all this shit so far where Damon Leone draws the line is showing a needle going to a kid's neck. There's a, he can do everything, but we're not going to show a fucking needle getting dropped into a kid's neck. Because he cuts away from that real quick. We also don't see Sienna's tits. There's no nudity. No. We don't see we don't see yeah. movies. Blood, no, blood, we, we do that the shower scene. No, you, yeah, it's all the back. Yeah, you see the side you see the side boob in the shower. It's side, side boob, boob, but it's not but tits. No, it's not full on tits. But no nipple. There's no nipple. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> That's what the ghoul and I are talking about. You don't get to see bush or fucking nipples. You just see side boob. And it's fine, but I wanted her to turn around, but you didn't get that. So anyway, and, uh, at, and super quick, when we don't see the needle, though, I was really upset because I was thinking that, oh, we're going to refrain from hurting a kid. And then I'm That's glad that they were, and, and then they were like, <laughs> yeah. and, but then I was glad that I was wrong. Please continue, King. <laughs> but that's why I said, I was like, Leone is going to show us some shit like he's shown us before, but for some reason he draws a line at that. Either he couldn't get the shot right or he's just like, I don't want to show him. <laughs> he's like, because I got other shit planned for this kid. Um, so at the Halloween party we just talked about, <laughs> Sienna's it could have been, also uh, been like the actor or the mm-hmm. parents didn't want it. Oh, it could have been. It could have been a lot of things. That's why I said it could have been a lot of things, but I was like, oh, so that's where we're drawing the line, Damien? All right. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, but anyway, so at the Halloween party, Sienna's drink has been spiked with MDMA, um, and she freaks out when she sees the little pale girl, and she's like, oh, fuck, like the little pale girl. So she freaks out on the floor of the party. Brooke and her boyfriend, Jeff, decide that they're going to drive Sienna home. But the little pale girl impersonates Jonathan over the phone and lures Sienna to the Terrifier's haunted attraction out of the funk carnival where Art killed Emily years before. The newspaper article. You see Terrifier 2. Just pause it and read it real quick. It kind of catches you up on some shit. I'm like, wow, storytelling. Not done in the dialogue. <laughs> you have to read a fucking newspaper. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Jeff decides to get out of the car because he's going to go ahead and take a piss. And that's when Art shows up to stab Jeff in that dick and Cut it right off, and then run oh, the window. It was a penis. <laughs> that he, he was just a tip. Uh, so he decides to rub it all over the window. We and that know scares we've Brooke. So... Lie before. Oh, all the time. And the fucking guy had a T-shirt. I love the fucking fact that he's wearing just a tip T-shirt, which is why Art did that. Um, so Art chases Brooke into the haunted attraction before cornering her and then killing her by splashing acid into her face and then beating her with a weapon he made out of a table leg. 
It's full of nails and other shit like that. I don't know what they call that weapon. I've seen it in so many fucking movies, but I'm sure it's got to be. It's a makeshift thing. That's all it is. Remember, we saw him earlier taking a bunch of, like, utensils and, like, putting them into the leg. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, here's one of those moments, though, where it's like, you know, I know, it's it's horror movie sense, right? But, like, we see him run into the bathroom or, like, you know, because, again, Mm -hmm. it's a horror attraction. So it's not a real bathroom. It's a bathroom that you're going to walk through and go out the other side. Now, we see her yeah, run where was the, the other side? and stop. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Deanna comes in through the other side. So there was she an does, open yeah. exit that she <laughs> yeah. could have ran to the left and got out of the room away from Art, but she decided to stop there instead and get fucking bludgeoned to death. <laughs> yeah, it just it was... You know, it it was a bad sense of direction because I noticed that too. But I was like, "Fuck it!" Like, you know, she has to die because Sienna comes running in through that door and then discovers Brooke's corpse, and she ends up fighting with Art until he knocks her unconscious. When she wakes up, she finds Art is using a scalpel on her brother, so she overpowers Art and begins attacking him with that table leg as a weapon. So after regrouping, Sienna and Jonathan head into a chapel, where Sienna looks for an exit. Art then appears and then fucking whips the shit out of him with that makeshift cat of nine tails made of fucking surgical knives and scissors. I was like, okay, yeah. Jonathan's getting his fucking just desserts. He's fucking <laughs> getting that fucking whipping he deserved at home. <laughs> and just wailing on him. And then Sienna gets in on it. So Sienna's getting fucking whipped. Art's just having a great time, like just fucking beating the shit out of him and his sister, before Santa fights back with the weapon and then brains Art with a metal pole, killing him. But Art keeps coming back to life. No matter what you do, you can't kill Art. He keeps resurrecting. Um, Jonathan shoots him with the sawed-off shotgun, killing him again. But then Art shows up once more and kills Santa with that magical sword of wonder that uh, her father gave her uh, and then throws her into a water torture cell that's in the basement of the Clown Cafe where we see all the dead bodies of all the kids at the clown cafe. And we see Sienna succumbing to being in the water. She can't get out, so she drowns. Um, But, of course, that sword is fucking magical, so we get to see it powering up, you know, and it's going to heal her wounds. And (laughs) she presses the power. So (laughs) she's... So Sienna is in the water torture cell, and she dies and gets resurrected. Meanwhile, Jonathan had been knocked out, so Art is standing over him, clapping his hands and snapping his fingers, trying to figure out a way to get this kid to wake up. He's not doing it, so he just decides, I'm just going to start eating this kid. So he just decides to start eating his fingers, and Jonathan wakes up to this, and he's like, holy shit, I'm being eaten by a fucking killer clown. And then he flips over, tries to run, and then Art just starts biting his fucking ankle. Like, arr, 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 you know, just fucking going to town on that fucking ankle. Oh, Jesus <laughs> nom, Christ. nom, 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 Just fucking having a great time. Um, so eventually, after trying to eat Jonathan fully, Santa comes back and then decapitates Art, rescuing her brother. And that's when the little pale girl shows up and just decides to take Art's head and then leaves without attacking either Santa or Jonathan. So at this point, Art's been defeated. The pale little girl takes Art's head away. So in my fucking movie, this is where Jonathan decides to grab a weapon and just stabs the shit out of Sienna. 
because he's evil now, and his eyes would spark up, and he'd be all fucking evil and shit because he actually died Just during like the attack with Art. At the end of Friday the 13th Part 4, wait, that didn't yep. work out. Just like Jamie at the end of Halloween Part 4, nope, that didn't work out. <laughs> it doesn't ever happen. They don't ever go there. No. They fucking tease it in all nope. of these movies, but they never, ever fucking do it. Never. Never. And I'm like, Damien, <laughs> Damien. You're out there. You make this fucking movie. You've seen Friday the 13th Part 4. You've seen Halloween Part 4. You can do this, man. But you ruined it with the pale little girl not doing anything. You had to kill her girl, and you didn't have her kill one person. Damn it. <laughs> you know, this is a horror fan talking. Like, you know, why didn't you do it? But he didn't because he pushed out like everybody else does. Um, you think that's the end of the movie, and you're like, oh, fuck, it's over. Two hours and 11 minutes. Wait a second. It's longer because there's a post-credit sequence. Where we go to the county psychiatric hospital. (laughs) So we get there, and I'm like, oh, so are we going to be at a psychiatric hospital seeing what's up with Sienna or whatever? No, there's Chris Jericho, just like the ghoul had said. It said he was in the credits. I'm like, where the fuck was he? I'm like, oh, no, he's in the post credits. Uh, You know, big time (laughs) Jericho, you know. (laughs) He's in his doctor's uniform and watching, you know, uh, Planet Nine from out of space. Um, and he has guard. his zombie dessert. A security guard, that's right. And he has his zombie dessert made by his wife. And the nurse is talking to him about Vicky, and he's like, oh, she fucked up as, as you think. And she's like, oh, eh. and she's all chewed up and disgusting. And then we cut to the cell where Victoria is being held, uh, and she is writing all over the wall in blood, you know, cunt and fuck this, and Vicky plus art with a heart around it, um, just all these obscenities. And we see that she's also bleeding from, from her vagina, why is she bleeding from her vagina, you might ask? That's because she has to give birth to Art's head um, and then sit with it and lay with it for a little while until the nurse comes in seeing all this and realizing Art the Clown's still alive because he's smiling and blinking and Victoria is just caring for the head that uh, she gave birth to. I figure that this is like a uh, Deadpool moment, you know what I mean, where he's going to grow sure. back and go full with you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, go you know full what? on Pooh Bear. <laughs> it's not – I didn't think it was necessary, but, you know, it's like, ah, all right, you know, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I mean, they could have easily ended it with just that because, again, like the like Ghoul, like you were saying earlier, we don't really know what Terrifier 3 is going to be about except that it's going to take place around Christmas time. So we don't even know if any of these characters are going to show back up. We don't know if Sienna's going to show up. We don't know if Victoria's going to show up. I mean, it could be brand-new characters and just art being art. So, you know – when you see a post-credit sequence like that, like where they treat it like it's a Marvel movie, you'd think it might pay off, but who knows? You know, we, we don't know. You know, we just hope that it's an hour and a half. And that's, that's my hope for Terrifier 3. Just, you know, <laughs> cut it down. Just because that whole clown cafe scene took way too long, the stalking sequences oh, with the Terrifier geez. haunted attraction took too long. Like, oh, man, I was like, there's so much I could clip from this fucking movie. Like, you know, but, you know, I'm not a professional film editor. I, but, you know, either way, I did, honestly, I didn't hate it. I don't, I don't hate Terrifier 2. I just wish it was a little shorter. Uh, and there were things that I saw about um, <laughs> art that I could tell people like. I mean, me, I'm a fucking Victor Crowley fan. Like, that first Hatchet movie came out in 2006. Uh, then the movies that came out after that. Uh, I just, I love Victor Crowley. So, you know, for me, people tell me that they don't like those movies because they're either way too violent or just kind of silly and stupid. But 
they're the same people that like Terrifier. So I was like, how do you like Terrifier, but you don't like Hatchet? Like, they're basically the same universe. Art's a clown. Victor Crowley is a fucking disfigured mutant that lives in the woods. So it's not that far off. Neither of them talk, and both of them are very violent with their kills, but... But on the flip side, I think the Hatchet are more entertaining movies because at least the writing is in there and you at least have some jokes to, you know, break the tension and whatnot. While at the same time, I'm surprised so many people did enjoy this movie just because we always talk about that roller coaster. This one, like, would, you know, keeps the tension, you know, at 10 a lot of the time. And... I'm like I'm I'm surprised that the average you know moviegoer was willing to go check this out. I mean, the fact that it made ten million dollars says something. It does. Like I mean, yep. you can't make that up. You know, it made ten million dollars based off of basic no budget. So again, that's why I give Damien Leone accolades because that's fucking crazy, man. To to release a movie in the select theaters and for it to make ten million dollars, that's huge. I might not be a fan of them. But you know the Terrifier movies, but well, they fucking made money. Two hundred and fifty thousand, <laughs> man. That's a, that that is a, a low yeah. budget for for these days as far as movies, especially one that's going to go and end up making fifteen point seven. So that's uh, fifteen point seven mil. That's a uh, that's a big, big, big fucking way of making money. Yeah, and and like I said, I I don't hate on. I mean, they're not my cup of tea, the Terrifier movies. But if they're fucking making money and people are creating them, I'm, I'm all for it. Especially independent horror. You guys know I'm a huge fan of indie horror. So the fact that you have this character that's not a rebooted character, it's not a legacy character, it's fucking new. Like, why not? I I don't hate on it. So but, uh, this is what I could tell you real quick about Terrifier three is that we do mm-hmm. have we do have Sienna, her brother, and Victoria at least coming back and reprising oh. their roles. Um, as, as far okay, as the action, so, for, all, no. for all we know, they could die at the beginning. Um, but, but we will see. <laughs> yeah, it could be a cold open. <clears throat> so we'll see. I mean, that, that's what happens to Terrifier 3. But that's promising that he has returning characters. Um, but the also returning person to the show is the Dean next week. He's coming back from his two-week hiatus. And he's coming back with a film pick. And he decided to go with 1988 Slime City, directed by Greg Lamberson. <clears throat> I've seen it. I know of it. And I'm kind of excited because it's a nice little palate cleanser. It's a quick fucking movie. Uh, and it's the 80s. It's horror comedy. So enjoy. It's on Tubi. It's for free. You can watch that. And then you can follow it up with Slime City Massacre, the sequel, that got made in 2010 with Debbie Roshan. That one's terrible. Just stick with Slime City. <laughs> I have no problem because I actually uh, watched that one. And it's just not good. But anyway, so that's next week, Slime City, the Demonic Dean film pick of the week. So, again, uh, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And we'll see you back here next week when we head to Slime City. All right. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Good night, everybody. All right. And Ghoul, when you go ahead and sign yourself off. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared and uh, try to try to avoid those crack pipes. And clown cafes if you can. No crack pipes, no clown cafes. Neither one of them are going to be any fun. I mean, I don't know. I mean, just do some other drug. I mean, there's so many drugs out there nowadays, and crack is like the 80s. I mean, there's fucking Molly, and there's fucking so much good acid and weed out there now that, you know, mm-hmm. crack. Who cares about that? So, you know, enjoy those. Enjoy some psychedelics. 
you know, I'm not going to stop you. Love them. But anyway, as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Angie G. Thanking you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Otis. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. And we'll see you back here next week for Slime City. Crack kills. At least.